if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer coming up in about a half an hour. We are going to be talking with Rick Maruniak, a retired Cleveland police detective who's going to fill you with hope. Uh, I really mean that. He's going to fill you with faith. He's going to fill you with uh, a belief that God does have this, whatever this may be. He spent an entire career working on solving cases as a detective and then as a SWAT team member, praying for guidance and praying for miracles. And he says, absolutely, cases that he solved could not have been done without God. Uh, his book is called God Doesn't Need a Badge, and I'm really looking forward to a conversation with Rick Maruniak. But for this half hour, I do want to take your phone calls at 216-901-0945 and also remind you a little bit, if you missed yesterday's conversation with Jim, jo- uh, Jim Jordan, uh, rather, Anthony Gonzalez, I was just discussing Jim Jordan with... Uh, uh, Daniel Horowitz off the air. But Anthony Gonzalez, Ohio's 16th Congressional District Representative, who yesterday voted, or rather Wednesday, voted to impeach the president without giving him so much as a hearing. For those who don't understand this, because I had a caller, first caller of the day today challenged me on the constitutionality and the legal legality of the uh, rules of the House. It is very, very simple. An impeachment is instituted by the House by the adoption of a resolution calling for a committee investigation of charges against the officer in question. This committee may, after investigation, recommend the dismissal of charges, or it may recommend impeachment. If it recommends impeachment as a committee, then it goes to a floor vote. It is very simple, it is very clear, it is not ambiguous. They skipped the investigation, they skipped the committee, and went right to a floor vote. And that simply cannot happen. And that's part of the discussion that I had yesterday with uh, with uh, Anthony Gonzalez. But were you aware, at the time of that impeachment vote yesterday, that the Supreme Court of the United States in 1969 made a very, very direct ruling about language. It can't just be about what you're calling conduct over the last two months and saying, hey, we got to fight like hell. That in 1969, Brandenburg versus Ohio, the Supreme Court set the standard for incitement very, very high because they wanted to protect, like you and I do, free speech as much as humanly possible. And they said that a speaker charged with incitement 
um, in such a manner, had to use direct words that were likely to produce violence. The old standard was that if a speaker said something the listeners could subjectively interpret as something that wasn't being stated directly by the speaker, especially violence, then that speaker could be charged with incitement. But in 69, they ruled very directly that the speaker has to use specifically spoken words directing or commanding listeners to commit violence. And on his January 6th speech, or in his speech, his clearly spoken words were to cheer on the brave senators and to do so peacefully and patriotically. So I'm looking for that state. Did you know that when at the time of the vote yesterday? And would you have liked to have known that? Uh, I did know that. Now, I, I will say I, this is part of why this process was completely broken. Uh, and, and frankly, why I, I almost did vote no uh, is because I think the process was, was terrible. Um, in, a, in a perfect world, we would have had more time and more opportunity uh, to look through every single court dog and go through that right that that is likely to happen in the senate uh, the, as you know the house's you know, role in an impeachment is basically as a grand jury is there enough evidence to say hey this probably should go to trial um and and so in in that respect uh, what, what, what was that was that evidence you're hearing held congressman i like your wording there that's very well said the congress the, the the house's job is to say is there enough evidence to proceed to a trial that evidence usually has to be presented at a hearing in fact not usually constitutionally it has to be presented at a hearing in which the the accused has the opportunity to defend himself either personally through representation or through witnesses or a combination thereof just like it was done in the impeachment last year so so knowing what you just said to be true that it is is there enough evidence to go to trial here do you think that president trump got due process yesterday by voting without that evidentiary hearing i believe that the 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 entire course of events again over the last two months and all the rhetoric and all the the stuff frankly that uh that the president had been doing for two months uh which is which is a real shame because the truth is i rejected the last impeachment i supported you know 99 of the things he did i think his agenda was spot on uh, which is why I campaigned for him and wanted him to win and was a co-chair of his campaign. Um, all that aside, uh, I believe the full spectrum of events that took place over the last two months uh, was enough evidence. And this is why Anthony Gonzalez is probably has, has experienced now the beginning of the end of his political career. He just said that the stuff that, I, that happened over the last two months is enough evidence. What? happened over the last two months that was impeachable the president saying that he thought the election was was fraudulent the president saying that there were tons of irregularities all of those are true fraud was found in many cases didn't need to get court a confirmation of that it was acknowledged by elections officials fraud was found their argument was it wasn't enough to overturn the results of these important states so therefore we should just let it go his statements over the last two months have just been this wasn't on the up and up. That's not impeachable. That's the first, the, a First Amendment right to, to declare uh, his belief, especially when over a thousand sworn affidavits were signed, alleging uh, uh, and, and, and essentially testifying, because it's like court testimony under oath. You can go to jail if you lie on a sworn affidavit that there were fraudulent practices being carried out in various states. What did Donald Trump do over the last two months? The answer to that question is, we can't describe it in just 10 minutes. We would have to go in and literally have a hearing.
If you want to impeach based on, quote, conduct over the last two months and not just on a speech at a rally, then you're going to have to present that conduct and explain why it's impeachable. Because, spoiler alert, it isn't. It wasn't. Neither his speech nor his conduct over two months was impeachable. That's why Congress must have the hearing. The committee must have a hearing to present and refute, uh, allow the presentation and refutement of uh, evidence before a full House vote can be taken. And I think the key that I heard from Anthony Gonzalez in that, he said, in a perfect world, if we had more time, we would have done that. What does that mean? If we had more time? How can you say justice can be denied someone because of a political calendar? He's say, essentially saying that since, since his removal from office is imminent anyway on January 20th, we don't have enough time to do it the right way. We don't have enough time to hold the hearing that is required of us to hold before a full Senate vote. We don't have time because he's going to be gone by then. Which begs two questions. One, what's the point of doing this? He's going to be gone. And number two, why are you willing to sacrifice the rights of an individual? And why are you willing to accede to a Democrat party to allow them to finish the job they started on January 20th of 2017? Day one of the Trump presidency, they began impeachment proceedings. And they're going to finish it before day, uh, you know, his final day on January 20th, 20th of 2021, because you go along with their belief that we don't have time to do this the legal way. So let's do it an illegal way and, and vote to impeach him anyway. Anthony Gonzalez has no business being in the United States Congress because he sacrificed every constitutional and, crim- and, and legal principle all to, what I said in the first half hour of the show, in my view, all to CYA, all to virtue signal in the belief that the cancel culture that is coming for every Trump supporter will look at him and say, well, he voted to impeach. Leave him alone. That's it. He sacrificed his principles, and I'm very, very disappointed in that because I like him. I liked him. And in fact, I probably still do personally, but it is indefensible what he has done here. Now, uh, last thing, and then I'll go to your calls. Uh, he brought up the fact that the president said we have to fight like hell. You remember this, right? This is what the president said specifically uh, uh, at his rally. On- we fight like hell, and if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. That was included, the included quote from the president's rally uh, on January 6th that the Democrats put in the article of impeachment, that he instructed people to fight and to fight like hell. As, as if that is the first time he has ever said that, let me take you to April of 2018. We got to go out and we got to fight like hell and we got to win the House and we got to win the Senate. And I think we're going to do great in the Senate and I think we're going to do great in the House because the economy is so good. Fight like hell. We're going to win in the Senate. Fight like hell. He has said that countless numbers of times. He says it on January 6th, and then idiots storm the Capitol, guided by agents provocateur, and suddenly that means he he incited an insurrection? Using the words, we must fight like hell? That's an insurrection? That's an incitement to insurrection? 
I shared this with Anthony Gonzalez yesterday. For if he says and agrees that impeachment must happen for somebody telling people we have to fight like hell, then Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Nancy Pelosi, among others, must also be removed from office. Why? When we have been attacked and when our ideals and fundamental values are being attacked, do we retreat or do we fight? I say we fight. And I intend to fight. I intend to fight for our ideals. I intend to fight. Are you willing to stand together and fight for those people who are struggling? Are you willing to fight? If you don't get what you don't fight for, I am in this fight. But this is a fight for our country, for the oath we take to protect and defend the Constitution. And we got to fight like hell, and we got to win the House, and we got to win the Senate. We have it deep in our souls, and we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. So, time after time after time after time, politicians tell their constituents, A, that they will fight for them, and B, that they have to be willing to fight too. Will you fight for those less fortunate, Bernie said. Kamala Harris said, when they come for us, do we, I forgot how the beginning was, uh, do we back down or do we fight? No, we fight, and I'm in this fight. All of these instructions for live audience crowds to go and fight on behalf of the principles that these leftists believe in, those are okay. It's only the one at the end. Donald Trump said we have to fight like hell or there won't be a country left to fight for. And that's an incitement to violence. I would submit to you that any reasonable, common, sensible person who heard what Donald Trump said at that speech, which, by the way, included, it is just as important, if not more important, it included his admonition and his instruction to his crowd that we are going down to Capitol Hill to peacefully and patriotically cheer on our senators. We're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Anyone who is reasonable and common-sensible, would agree that there was nothing insightful about the president's speech that day. And if you want to present other arguments that, he, that, uh, that make uh, uh, an impeachable case against him, you have to have a hearing, one that they denied him. And for that reason, I think Anthony Gonzalez and virtually every other person who voted to, to impeach on literally zero evidence should be removed from Congress. I'll be right back. Okay, it's 1026. I want to go out to um, Lorraine now, talk to Matt on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Matt, go ahead. Hey, Bob. You know, we've all heard about Nancy Pelosi poking around the 25th Amendment to remove Joe Biden is the conjecture. But yesterday I heard um, about uh, Margaret Taylor Green, Congresswoman Green, that said that on <laughs> the 21st she is going to introduce 
an article Pete, of impeachment against Biden for his fa- he and his family's parts in the Ukraine and China issues. Yeah, she did. She did. And uh, basically, she is going to kind of give the Democrats a taste of their own medicine here and say, you cannot impeach people without just cause. You have done it in this case. So if you're just going to go with the flimsiest of evidence and conjecture, then I can use conjecture, which is really all we have at this point. I mean, I know there is tons of evidence that was on that laptop that Tony Bobolinsky presented and so forth, but it's never been presented in a court. So at this point in time, it's just conjecture, but there's enough of it to say, uh, if you can impeach Donald Trump, just over things people say uh, about him, then you can certainly uh, do the same thing here to Joe Biden. It won't go anywhere, but it's a strong stand to say this is not what this is. This is not going to be a one-way street. But my question to you is: Would Pelosi and company be able to achieve their ends without looking like the bad guys if they were to permit this to go forward? If they were to permit what to go forward? To permit the impeachment proposed by Congresswoman Green to go forward. Well, the only thing thing that can happen here is that this can go to a committee where it will be quickly killed. So it won't be, quote, you know, permitted to go forward in that regard. You know, a lot of people, and thanks for the call, I appreciate it, Matt. A lot of people don't realize how often impeachment has been, uh, articles of impeachment have been introduced. They have been introduced dozens and dozens of times since 1789 in, in the Constitution. I mean, they really have. And a lot of people know, yeah, only a very select few of them have made it onto uh, an impeachment vote, obviously. And even fewer have then been voted to send to the Senate for a trial, which we already know. Uh, but, you know, articles of impeachment being, being introduced is not extraordinarily unusual. It's still called it unusual, but not extraordinarily. So it, it, bottom line is, is this would be heard, it would be sent to a committee, and it would be summarily killed because that's what the Democrats are going to do. So, um, you know, Nancy Pelosi, I don't think, is going to quote-unquote quote, quote allow this to go forward as a part of her 25th Amendment attempt to remove Joe Biden. I think they're going to wait for just a little while here. They're going to let him speak long enough to give them enough reason to say we are concerned about our president's mental health, and therefore here comes socialist Kamala. Uh, thank you, my friend. Uh, Amy and Hudson. Hi, Amy. You're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, I The reason I'm calling is because I want to encourage President Trump. That man must be, he needs help, um, and encouragement, and uh, know that people are on his side. And my idea was to ask in everybody who voted for President Trump to send at least one dollar to him. I plan to send more. But if everybody sent one dollar, he would receive over $70 million to be used either for his re-election or to, to uh, publicize, to let the people know what how badly let me jump in because I've got to get to our break here but but thank you for the phone call I think the president already knows that he has support look at what happened on January 6th and the rally I'm, t- I'm talking about the f- a few hundred idiots who did stuff in the Capitol but I'm talking about the rally he knows he got 75 million votes for crying out loud the one thing that a multi-billionaire and he is still a multi-billionaire even though he has not taken a dollar of pay to be president a multi-billionaire isn't necessarily worried about getting a dollar from each of the constituents I, I in fact I would I would offer to you that President Trump would rather have you keep your dollar than him have your dollar. 
He's got plans, I'm sure, for his post-presidency, and I cannot wait to see what they are. I hope they are to start a communications company to um, try to take down uh, the censorship of Twitter and Facebook and Amazon and Apple and Google, etc. I hope he starts a patriot um, media company. Uh, and like I said, and software company uh, that allows us to get out from under the uh, the thumb of the authoritarians in charge of those companies. Thank you so much for the phone call. We're going to get a time out here for news. We're going to talk to Rick Maruniak next. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer all right it is 10 36 um i start every hour or at least i try to and i have done it for over five years on this radio station um i start every hour by welcoming you to the day and then I give you the date, and then I tell you that we are in the year of our Lord, now 2021. And especially toward the end of 2020, with you know what's such a chaotic and, and disastrous and divisive and deadly year that we all you know have, had just you know experienced, I used to say, you know, it's the year of our Lord 2021 or 2020. And it's still the year of our Lord. Please remember, no matter how much we're struggling, God has got this. There's a plan in place. And I'm saying it again now here at the start of 2021. God has got this. But I've always said it doesn't mean he's going to come down here and he's going to part a sea or he's going to burn a bush or he's going to open a cloud and speak and say, this is what you must do. Uh, that's not what I mean. I mean that God is going to provide us with the wisdom and under our free will to use that to the best of our ability to solve our problems and protect and take care of his, uh, his creation. And that's what I mean. And I give you that backdrop here to introduce Rick Maruniak, who is a retired Cleveland police detective and former Cleveland SWAT team member who believes that miracles absolutely do happen, that when we say God has got this, it is direct. And it's not just by providing you with wisdom that God comes through when you ask him sincerely enough. Rick has written a book called God Doesn't Need a Badge. And Rick tells the story, multiple stories here, of God literally helping him as a police officer solve crimes and bring people to justice. It's an amazing read. It's filled with a lot of hope and inspiration and faith. And Rick is here to share the information with us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Rick Mariniak, good to talk to you, my friend. How are you this morning? I'm fine, uh, Mr. France. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure. It was a pleasure to read this book, too. Um, I have to tell you, you know, it's. I'm going to ask you right off the jump here. Um, I'm going to ask you to tell a, a couple of stories here. I want you to tell the bike story. I want you to tell the jewelry, uh, jewelry store robbery story. I want you to get into those things. But in a general sense, Rick, tell me what inspired you to sit down and write a book and say, God help me solve crimes. Well, you know, police officers, um, over the course of their careers, they have a lot of stories they can tell, probably hundreds and hundreds of crazy stories that, that go on. And stories that I wanted to tell where I had prayed um, and asked God to help me solve a crime, and um, he answered the prayers. And it was so obvious. It was like uh, 
like a miracle is right out of the Bible. So that's why I decided to write. And as I was writing it, um, I wanted to help the readers understand and the people understand that the prayers are still answered. And then hopefully this would, would strengthen somebody's faith that might have been, uh, you know, looking for answers at, at a time in their life. And that's the inspirational part of this uh, that I want people to to kind of make a connection here. I want to start out with with chapter four, Rick, and you talk about you know the odds. What are the odds of God helping lead you to uh, something that you, you you never thought that you would be able to to find? And I want to quote here from chapter four as you talk about um, uh, a, a car that you had been looking for that showed up essentially on the on the on the sidewalk if you will right by the police station because you prayed for help in recovering and finding this vehicle the vehicle i was looking for for the past 6 month months was parked on the sidewalk at the police station i couldn't believe what was happening i had prayed 24 hours earlier asking god for help and now the car was personally delivered to me now that's cool i've looked for hundreds of vehicles in my career that were involved in, in crimes and i never had one delivered to me at the police station who would believe what had just happened. Now, that's a little bit of a quote from Chapter 4. So, Rick, the obvious question that some might ask is, are you sure that was God and not just a coincidence? You were sure it was God. Why? Well, the um, the reason I, I, I prayed about this case, God had just solved another case for me, um, and that was like the donut shop robbery. And I thought that was kind of funny that he solved. The first case he solved for him was a donut shop. <laughs> and, you know, you correlate the donut shop with the police. But... After I had after I had finished completing that case, I had a cold case on my desk that uh, I hadn't solved. And what it was was a jewelry shop that where uh, a person came in there, broke uh, the cases, stole watches, and left in a car. And the car was a gold Crown Victoria and had a temporary tag and the rear window. So they had they had the uh, somebody a witness had gotten the temporary tag, and so I followed up on the temporary tag and, and it led to an abandoned apartment. It had a name of a person, um, but but it had no forwarding address. I couldn't locate him, so it was like five or six months old. Couldn't couldn't find anybody. Um, I couldn't put make him a name suspect because it could be a son, it could be a daughter, it could be anybody. Could have borrowed the car, but the person was a person of interest. So uh, God had just, like I said, God had just solved this case for me. And I remember I was sitting at my desk and I um, pulled the fire out. And it's a very simple prayer. And I just said, God, can you help me find this case? Can I find this car and find this person? Um, very simple. So I put the file back in my desk, went, went home, uh, came back to work the next day on second shift. And after a couple hours, uh, uh, strike force sergeant came into our office. I was in the detective bureau at this time. Came into our office and said we had arrested uh, a few people for uh, selling drugs out of a uh, uh, dry cleaners. They wanted to separate them. Um, at the time, so they couldn't talk to each other. And he asked if they could put one by my desk and another person by another desk, and they're just going to rotate and interview him. And I said, fine. So I had a guy sitting at my desk, probably for an hour or two. They come and get, get, got him and uh, interviewed him. Then they brought him back, and they interviewed these guys. So a uh, um, couple hours had gone by. I was ready to go home from work. They had grabbed all the guys and took them back to the strike force. So I'm getting ready to go home. And as I'm going home, I go out the side door to 3rd District, and on the sidewalk was a car parked there. It was a gold Crown Victoria. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, what well, it had a, it, not a temporary tag was gone, but there was still tape where a temporary tag would be, an outline. And I looked at the plate, 
And I'm thinking, no, nah, can't, can't be. So anyway, I start walking back to, past the car, and, and I hear the Holy Spirit. Now, somebody might say they hear the Holy Spirit. I didn't, I didn't hear an audible, but it was in my mind. He said, look at the car. So I turn my head, look at the car, and uh, I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to go home. It's time to go home. So I start walking again. Next thing I know, I hear the Holy Spirit. I can like, inside again, like saying, look at the car, dummy. So here, so here, God's calling me dummy. So once he called me dummy, I'm like, well, I might as well go back inside. I go back inside, get the file, uh, check the VIN, the car I'm looking for for the past five or six months. And guess where the person was that I was looking for who owned the car? That was the guy that was handcuffed to my desk. So when something like that happens, I'm looking, you know, it's five or six months old. I'm, I pray 24 hours later, the car's on the sidewalk, and the person that I'm looking for is handcuffed to my desk. What are the odds of that? Um, I, I, I think the Ohio lottery now is pretty high, but I think it's even <laughs> higher than that. And if you put all of, yeah, all, of and- these, all these miracles that happened in the book, Together, I can't even figure what all the odds are of all these things happening at one time or different times. What, what I found, what I found the most interesting about what you just said, uh, uh, Rick, is that you know you you saw this car and you kind of turned your head a little bit. You, you know, a normal person would say. I had a hunch, eh, maybe, should I look at this, it, your instinct or whatever. But you literally say you heard the Holy Spirit in your head and it called you a dummy. <laughs> yeah, That's a little bit different <laughs> than just having a hunch here. He actually said, hey, look at the card, dummy. I'm giving you something here. Did you literally have that conscious thought in your head that that's what you felt like you were you were being told? Yes, I, yeah. I. It's like, um, you know, you know, like everybody calls it a conscious, but it's like, um, I call it the Holy Spirit. When you, you know, the Holy Spirit is supposed to tell you um, or guide you if you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, once once you know God and what he tells you the truth, you're supposed to know right and wrong. And you see it very clearly. So when he's telling me to look at the car, I'm, I'm, I still it's God telling me to look at the car. Let's talk about another mode of transportation. Okay. It, it, no, that and that's. I'm glad you you clarified that um, because I, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you're a detective for you know 14, 18 years, whatever the number was at that particular time. I don't know, but you know, you got instincts there. You got a gut feeling. You got a hunch. You look at thing, and you're saying no. It was a it was a direct message from God that led you to that. Let's talk about another mode of transportation. Let's talk about the bike. Uh, this is a, a fascinating story about your cousin uh, Julie and her fiance. This is chapter seven. Of her, her fiance Dave, who had his bike stolen, and he uh, lived outside of Cleveland and or close. To downtown, rather, and that was his primary mode of transportation. Uh, tell tell us that story a little bit. Try to be a little bit brief, so we have time for a few more. But uh, tell us exactly what okay. happened there and how you felt like this was a miracle. The, what happened here was I was working in SWAT, was a sergeant in SWAT, and on, um, I believe it was Memorial Day in May. If that's Memorial Day or not, but anyway, we were having, I was at a uh, picnic uh, at my mother-in-law's house, and I wanted to get to meet Dave and Julie. Julie was my cousin. Dave was going to marry her. I just wanted to talk to him a little bit about how he met Julie. So I'm talking mm-hmm. to him at the picnic, and uh, I asked him how he liked living. He lived off the 29th in Detroit, like in the newer section in there. He says, I like living at 29th in Detroit. I can ride my bike over the bridge to go downtown to go to work. He said, it's very convenient. So anyway, he tells me, he goes, I can't ride my bike anymore because someone stole my, broke my garage and stole my bike. So we have a conversation, and... Um, um, as I'm getting ready to leave later on in the day, I told Dave, I said, hey, I'm working the next day. How about um, we go look for your bike? 
So he's like, I go every bike they have ever been stolen. I found bikes for kids in our neighborhood and different things. And I always thought give the credit to God. And I wanted him to know that um, I had every every bike found because God had showed me where to go. So anyway, um, uh, next day I call him up, say you want to go look for the bike. We, I pick him up, we ride around, and um, uh, he asked me uh, what my day. But that, that but that, but that wasn't successful that day, Rick. I'm going I'm to move you ahead a little bit okay. further here, so we All have right. more time for more stories. So that you didn't get it that day, uh, you felt like you let him down because you told him we were going to find his bike. Let's fast forward to the next part of that, where we, uh, where, the the amazing story of how it 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 uh, it ended. Well, the same night that I had Dave in the car, I don't know if I have time for this stuff, but um, we had to do a search warrant. And during the search warrant, um, uh, we entered the house, and a person had a, a gun, tried to shoot one of his police officers, and he had to be, uh, he was shot, and, and, he, and he was deceased. So to move fast forward, um, we wanted to do a search warrant for a second district vice sergeant. He calls us up, tells us to uh, meet him over on Lorraine Avenue. We go on Lorraine. Said the only reason he called us to do the search warrant was because he wanted to find out what happened with the shooting because they usually always do their own search warrants. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean that's that's common. They want to know what's happened so they could be safe. So anyway, uh, we do the search warrant. Um, we're getting ready. So the guy's guy's going to be home in a few minutes. The guy comes. The guy comes home. The vice sergeant says, "Have have SWAT hit the house." We start rolling down the rain avenue. Um, and somebody somebody goes over to the police and says, "He just hopped on a bike down the rain." Um, the sergeant from, from the vice unit says, I'll take him off the bike and have Swat hit the house. So I'm stopped, probably about 30 yards away from him, where the sergeant takes him off the bike. And I'm looking, I just saw it was a black bike. And I go, be careful, that's Dave's bike. Now, I wasn't thinking about Dave's bike in this warrant, but I go, be careful, that's Dave's bike. He puts it in the trunk, he sh- shuts it. I'm thinking, that's Dave's bike. Again, it's the, I'm sure it's the Holy Spirit telling me this. So anyway, we hit the house, we secure it. Vice uh, um, secures the house, he search it. I go to where the guy's in the car. I said, where'd you get that bike? It was the, the kind of bike we were looking for. He said, I got it from a crackhead, traded it for some crack. He, I told him, I think it's stolen. So I called up Dave and Julie, asked them to come to our scene. And um, when they did, I'll never forget, he looks out the window, he looks at his he goes, bike, he says, I can't believe you found my bike. Um, the, the odds of that happening, you know, search warrants are just not done overnight. They take, they take months of time of investigating mm-hmm. I would have never looked for the bike. Um, you know, you would do search warrants. I'm not looking for bikes. You're stolen property. But he just happened to jump on the bike while I was, while I was watching him on the ring. And you had, and, and you had, and, and you had prayed to God to help you find Dave's bike, your, your cousin's fiance's bike. And, and through the most unusual of circumstances, there it is presented before you. So, and the reason I, I want to jump in on that is because he, I can already hear non-believers, right? Non-believers are going to say, I'm sorry? Oh, go ahead. You said non-believers, what? Um, non-believers are going to listen to your story and maybe even read your book and say, come on, God's got time to be finding bikes and God's got time to be, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, f- putting the stolen car or putting the car that was used in this jewel store, jewelry store robbery on your, on, on the sidewalk next to the police station. If God was going to involve himself in crimes, he would be directing you to serial killers. He would be directing you to, um, uh, or the Holy Spirit would be directing you to, you know, violent criminals, that kind of thing. So they're going to say, this doesn't prove anything. You are very, very faithful, Rick Mariniak, obviously, and you believe you were spoken to by the Holy Spirit in those instances. How do you answer the non-believers who say you're making stuff up? This is all just coincidental. Well, you know, I claim Romans eight verse thirty-one 
And probably the non-believers wouldn't care about that, but it's, it's a God is for you who can be against you, and it doesn't matter to me. And, and I would just hope a non-believer would read it and uh, realize the coincidence, not, not, not a coincidence, and you, you, there's nothing that you can believe that it was um, uh, God. You know, I, I told our chief a lot of these cases at the time, and uh, he told me that it was just good hard work. And, I'm, and I was trying to tell him, no, that's, it had nothing to do with me at all. God directed me. Um, God was a part of it. I mean, God's been a part of my life for a long time, so I, I know the difference. So, but for non-believers, I just hope that they would read the book and uh, make a decision for themselves. And believers and non-believers should read this book. And I'm going to close with chapter 15 in the very beginning. Have you ever watched the news on TV where the reporter was at a crime scene? If you have, you may have noticed prayer vigils. Never again take these prayer vigils for granted, you write. You can join in prayer and ask God for answers. The title of chapter 15 is Look for a Miracle. So your, your, your position here and your message to people is don't just sit around and expect the miracle to happen. If you pray for it and you are sincere enough and others pray for it for you, you will find miracles look for them and 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 they will reveal themselves to you and that's an an important closing message for you isn't it yes i think uh, the important thing is to pay attention to your life what's going on you you know sometimes you might just want to write it down write the prayer down um and 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 there are there are crimes that um that definitely that people should be praying for if i could just say something real quick about uh, a local girl leslie cross in 1984 was murdered in bedford heights that crime has been solved of course amy mahalovic Jabba mm-hmm. Ramsey. I think people should be praying for these like, because God knows who did it. The very first homicide investigation was from God when he when he um, interviewed Cain after he killed Abel. Right. He asked Cain, "Where's your brother?" No, you've stated that several times in the book. You know, God knows who has committed every crime ever. And if you want that to be revealed, you have to ask him and you have to be sincere. And uh, I think that's the message. The book is called God Doesn't Need a Badge. The author is a former Cleveland police detective and SWAT team member, Rick Maruniak. Rick, is there a website or how can people get this book? Uh, You can get it on Amazon, Kindle, and soon it's going to be on Audible with... uh, I guess Marty Allen's going to be narrating this book. My good friend. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Rick Mariniak, thank you for sharing the story of faith and uh, and of miracles with us, and I wish you the very best. Thank you, sir, and God bless you for your thank service you, to our city and to uh, to to our, our our population as well. All right, it's ten fifty four. We'll be right back to wrap. Okay, 10.56. Let's squeeze in a couple more phone calls before the uh, end of the broadcast today. We'll go to Twinsburg and Larry, who's been there for a while now. Larry, thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Go right ahead. That's okay, Bob. Your show is worth worth the wait. Uh, all i got to say is if we use Pelosi's standard uh, that she used for impeachment, every single person who's ever been a cheerleader has got to be arrested because I guarantee you every one of them at one time or another has said, fight, team, fight. And you know how... how terrible that is so um anyone again anyone who's a cheerleader you better be careful of uh, the cheers that you say using close standard as an example very well said yeah yeah that's you know and and they have no standards actually if they didn't have double standards it's the only kind that exactly. they have uh larry thank for sure. thank you for the phone call my friend god bless uh let me talk to bay village diane you're on am 1420 the answer hi diane go ahead hi Hi, Bob. Regarding your previous call of the police, the retired police, I do believe in the power of prayer. However, 
God also created the laws of nature, and he's watching things, and with everything that's going on, the country headed south, um, transgender, gay, anything goes, maybe he's disgusted, and maybe he's going into revelations now. That could be a possibility. And I know we have to, quote, fight for this, but if it's made up, look at Sodom and Gomorrah, what was going on there. So... No, Diane, I, I, I think about that a lot more, and I think more people, thank you for the phone call, are thinking about that more than we ever have before, seriously. What have we done to turn away from God that might lead him to perhaps turn away a little bit from answering or, or uh, you know, uh, fulfilling some of our requests uh, of him? That is, a, that is a legitimate question. John is going to wrap it up for us. Hi, John, go right ahead, sir. Hey, interview. Local shows are nuggets, and you are one of the nuggets. I wish sometime... Next week, it's not too late, interview some scientists from any other medical center about the untested waters of the new vaccine versus the Johnson & Johnson type of thing. I'm not plugging a name. Some of the time-tested vaccines. After all, trust is the main thing. That you can inject with any tool. How is that? Well, my, tri- my, my, my problem, John, and thanks for the phone call, my friend, is I don't trust anything until time has passed by. I don't care what company is making it. You can't tell me about the long-term effects of a vaccine until the long-term has passed. That's why you want me to take this vaccine for COVID-19. Come see me in 18 to 24 months, and I'll tell you then whether or not I'm con- uh, I want to take the vaccine. Thanks for the time, everybody. Have a safe and free weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye.